This is Matt Miller, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Countdown to launch. Ball TV 2010 on the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. Hello, my name's Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to episode number one of the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine for Monday, August 16th, 2010. A little bit about me. I'm a reality TV editor and produced writer located in Toronto, Canada. And you may know me from another podcast that I do, Chuck vs. the Podcast for NBC's Chuck. It has been voted the number one TV-themed podcast in Podcast Alley's TV and film category continuously since December 2008. And uh, in my experience with the podcast, I found that I just loved speaking to the writers and hearing their stories. I looked around for a podcast that was dedicated to TV writers and honestly couldn't find one. There were quite a few podcasts that were about features and, uh, and about other uh, types of writing, like novels, and, and a lot of them were just kind of a smorgasbord of, of all types of writing. But there was not one devoted to TV writers, despite the fact that there are roughly 10 times as many writers in television as there are in features. So I decided, let me start one. I was approached by Script Magazine, and they thought that the TV Writer Podcast idea was a great one and would be a really good fit for the podcasts that they already do on features. So that's how the partnership was born. And it's a great privilege to work with Script Magazine. Um, they're, they're honestly a great magazine and very well connected, and I think they're going to help the podcast to really, really do well. In today's inaugural episode, it's going to feature executive producer and showrunner of Human Target on Fox, Matt Miller. I had the privilege of speaking to Matt a few months ago when he was finishing up season three of Chuck. I've decided to start with that interview because he tells all about how he started in the Peter Stark producing program at USC and then all of his experiences leading to actually creating his own show um, and then going on to be staffed on Chuck. He talks about co-writing and, uh, and a whole bunch of things that are relevant to the TV Writer podcast. If you've already heard that interview and you want to skip ahead, it's just under 26 minutes long. Then, later in the episode, we have my most recent interview with Matt, which is all about Human Target. Unfortunately, I found out at the last minute that he only had about 15 minutes to talk, so I wasn't able to ask a lot of fan questions. However, I'll be talking to more Human Target writers in the coming weeks, so I'll keep your questions handy. Uh, you can stick around for after the interviews, as I'll be telling you about some of the resources available and what to look forward to in the coming weeks. And now, I'm going to roll my first interview with Matt Miller in the beginning of April of this year while he was still an executive producer and writer on Chuck. Enjoy. So I want to welcome writer Matt Miller to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, and you're not only a writer, but you're an executive producer on the show, and you're a director as well. That's true. I am a director, although I haven't directed any Chuck. Mm. Uh, we we talked about directing one when we got the final six picked up uh, this season, the extra six, because we were really really looking for directors, but um, it just didn't work out. I was really busy, um, and uh, you know maybe next season. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, well, let's uh, let's take it back a little bit and talk a little bit yeah. more about your background. So, sure. you you started out at USC. 
I did. I went to. Uh, I didn't go to SC with Josh and Chris, mm-hmm. but I did go to SC. I went to graduate school at SC. What years were you at USC? Uh, I was at USC. Uh, let's see, ninety-three to like ninety-five, mm-hmm. and I was in a producing program there called uh, the Peter Stark Program, which is not necessarily geared towards writers. It's about twenty-five people a year, graduate students that are sort of motivated to be in the, in the business end of the business. Mm-hmm. And then everyone there sort of just usually decides they would rather write. Mm-hmm. And so myself and a number of my classmates, I, I, I got a job when I graduated at Peter Stark, prestigious Peter Stark program, as a waiter in a restaurant. <laughs> and just started writing. So yeah, yeah. it was a good experience for me to do it, and I would recommend it. But, you know, it doesn't always necessarily lead. It's not like you graduate the Stark program and, and you automatically sort of get a job and some mm-hmm. of the business. It's a little interesting because uh, I might have actually met you. Um, I was accepted to SC grad school in 94, and uh, okay. I, I visited the campus, uh, was getting oh, everything yeah? set up, and, and I actually couldn't get the money together for the international fees. So oh, yeah. I ended up staying it, in Toronto. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's, it's super expensive, and I, and I don't, I mean, the other graduate programs, are, I think, are a lot better. I, I, the Peter Stark program is a very good program. It's a very prestigious program. But it depends on what you want to do. If you want to write or something like that, you're probably, you know, maybe better off just writing. Mm-hmm. So in in 1996, you had a short film, Understanding Olivia, and you were producer, <laughs> director, and actor on that one. That was that was part of Peter Stark. Yeah, oh, okay. I was still I was still in grad school at USC, and I and I was only in, that was what started off as a uh, a, a weekend goof with myself and uh, a friend of mine. We just decided that would be our the big uh, Peter Stark project. And Peter Cohen was a producer on it who was a classmate of mine at SC. And uh, my friend was the other actor. It was, it was real, uh, real professional organization. Over there. <laughs> Those were the yeah. days. Yeah, it was wonderful. Was yeah. 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 So now uh, on IMDb, it jumps a little bit mm-hmm. and it says that in 99, you, you were the creator of a series called Grown Ups. But what, what happened in between? Well, 99 is probably when that show aired. Between 96 and 99, you know, again, I finished up graduate school and then I got a job as a waiter in a restaurant and was writing like a novel and a bunch of other stuff and um, was able to get a break where a script that I had written um, I was able to sell, and then I got a job to write a movie for Fox, which got me out of the restaurant. And so I was able to, you know, write for a living. Now, you know, when you look on INDB, they only have the produced credits. They don't mm-hmm. have everything that you end up doing, you know, along the way. And I'm sure everyone has, you know, jobs, and maybe it's a script that you sold or a TV pilot that you did or a, you know, um, book that you were adapting or whatever it is. But but the only, the only things that are published on that website are the things that they actually end up shooting and airing and mm. putting on somewhere. So yeah, there was, there was, so I was doing, I was working as a waiter and then I sold this script and was able to get out of the restaurant. And then, um, I was able, I was very, very fortunate and very naive and was able to pitch a, uh, TV series with really no television experience, <laughs> wow. credits or, or knowledge of any kind. And I pitched the show and it was supposed to be a one hour, uh, kind of dramedy about uh, my friends and I called the Grown Ups, mm-hmm. and the network bought it and seemed happy with it. And then they called me one day and said, "You know, we really like the script. We have a couple of small changes." 
And the first thing was, can you change it from a half hour to one hour? Oh, my goodness. And then they asked me to change it from um, single camera to multi-camera, which basically means a sitcom. And the last thing they said is, we have, we have uh, a piece of talent attached that we'd like you to sort of gear it towards. And I said, oh, who do you have? And they, uh, they told me that they had the artist formerly known as Urkel. Okay. It was a gentleman named Julia White, a very nice young man. So, uh, so that was my first foray into television. It was sort of, I don't know, it was like 27 or 28, maybe it was 29, somewhere in, the, in my late 20s, and I was running a television show knowing nothing about what I was doing. Wow. Which was a half-hour sitcom starring, uh, starring Julia White. Wow. We did that for a season, did 22 beautiful episodes of that. Now, so that, that was sink or swim, and I guess you, you swam. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, my first hire. I was a little interested... You uh, you worked with someone called Scott J. Rosenbaum on that one. I did, I did. Is that the same Scott Rosenbaum that was on Chuck? That is, that is. Scott Rosenbaum um, was my roommate at the time. Oh, you're kidding. We both moved out here. Yeah, we moved out here together. Uh, we went to college together in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we moved out here together. And then when that show got picked up, I really had no idea what I was doing, and about you know, 200 scripts arrived on my doorstep to, to hire writers to staff mm-hmm. on the show. And so I turned to my roommate, Scott Skeeter, he's, he goes by, and said, you know, you want to work on the show? He said, sure. I said, you're hired. Start reading. <laughs> That's great. And the two of us, yeah, with no experience, nothing to do, set out to uh, hire the staff and, and put together that TV show. So, so yeah, Skeeter, uh, Scott, did, did work on that with me. That was our first time working together. Uh, or at least getting paid to. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, years later when Chuck came up, we started working together again. Wow, that's great. Actually, he he was on our most recent podcast. No, oh, perfect. There you go. Yeah. Now, in between then and Chuck, you, you wrote and directed a romantic comedy, um, The Perfect You, or I, is right. it a crazy yeah. little thing? I was a little confused by well, the crazy title. crazy little thing was what uh, someone, I don't know, one of the producers who sold it to whoever uh they changed the title. I had nothing to do with that. But the, yeah, the title was Perfect You, and it was a, like a million-dollar independent movie that I wrote and directed. That was great. It was a blast, and I think you can get it on like Netflix. And uh, yeah, it was a really wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. It was like 20, 22 days or something like that in New York. Great. And then uh, yeah. uh, you did a, a TV movie, Dynasty, The Making of a Guilty Pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. After that, after the uh, Perfect You... I had a meeting with ABC, and then I knew the producer was this guy named Greg Gugliotti, and so they uh, were they wanted to do a kind of spoofy movie about the dynasty. Mm-hmm. I'd never really watched Dynasty growing up, or I, you know, I'm vaguely familiar with it, and so I'd watched some episodes and sort of had this big lofty idea that we could do Dynasty as sort of a metaphor for greed in the '80s. Oh, okay. So it was the whole thing sort of took place at the you know beginning of '80 and and spanned sort of the nine years or ten years of the decade. It was nine years, I think, that the show was on for. And, uh, you know, had this sort of uh, lofty aspirations that we're going to do that. And that was also a really wonderful experience, worked with great people. We shot that actually in Australia for, for a few months. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Was that at the same time as, as uh, Las Vegas was happening, or, or did Las Vegas come after no, that? No, I went on to Vegas sort of right after, immediately after that. And you were two or three years on Las Vegas? That was two seasons on Las Vegas, mm-hmm. yeah, as a producer and a writer on that. I'd been writing, uh, I'd written some pilots for NBC, that sort of brass at NBC, 
Um, and again, you know, as you know, on IMDb, it's just like the things that are actually shot, but there's yeah. a lot yeah. of jobs in between. And uh, I had written two pilots for NBC that fall, and for a variety of reasons, they didn't happen. And they, but they had said, "Hey, would you come work on the show uh, Las Vegas?" And I'd never staffed on a show before. And I sat down with a guy named Gary Scott Thompson, who created the show, and Gardner Stern, who was the executive producer there. And um, yeah, they were nice enough to hire me, and went on and did that for two years. Got to work with James Caan. Great. Yeah, it was incredible. He's an incredible guy. And uh, and then came Chuck. So so tell me about your introduction to Chuck. Had you had you seen the pilot, or or what stage did you come on? Yeah, I'd seen the pilot. Um, I saw it in the editing room with uh, Josh Schwartz. I because I during this whole time I, I've known Josh for many years. In fact, Josh was one of the few people telling me not to do the Grown Up Show when they turned it into the Julia White sitcom. Okay. Uh, and we were real good friends, and we've been very good friends for a while. And uh, and him and I actually are, are doing a pilot as well right now, um, a sitcom. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Hitched. Hitched, exactly, yeah. exactly. But 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 before that, so uh, you know, we'd always been real good friends. But ne- and we talked about working together on a variety of things, and just nothing ever kind of worked out, or it was right, or for whatever reason. And so Chuck, you know, seemed like a really good fit and a good thing for us to for us to do. And and so after they had uh, shot the pilot. I went and, uh, and screened it in the editing room. Thought it was just terrific, and so you know, I knew I had to meet Chris and met uh, Mr. Feedak, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was good. It was just all seemed like, you know, right opportunity, at the right time, and so we we've had a blast doing it. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, and I'm just going to recap for for the viewers. Um, of course, every writer's in the writers' room, but you've the the scripts that you personally wrote were uh, Chuck versus the Tango. Um, imported hard salami, the seduction, mm-hmm. the DeLorean, uh, the beefcake, uh, the Colonel, which is a fan favorite, uh, the mm-hmm. Pink Slip, the first episode of the third season, Nacho yeah. Sampler, and then most recently last week's episode, American Hero. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. definitely some some great Chuck, and we yeah. don't have time to talk about all of those, but yeah. um, maybe maybe what you can do is is throughout the process you must have had either a favorite episode or a favorite moment what what kind of stories can you tell about uh, the last couple of years maybe a, a a scene that was cut that you loved or or just <laughs> just a taste from behind the scenes yeah well you know it's it's um first of all it's a very collaborative medium so we we do sit in that writers room all day every day and then different writers you know and we break the story and we really break it like every single beat is is examined and discussed and um and then you know certain writers just just go off and write them, um, but uh, and you know it's always a very different process because there's the one thing when you get the idea and it's up on the board, and there's another phase when you write it, and then there's mm-hmm. another phase when you shoot it, and there's another phase when you edit it, and and so sometimes things you know uh, come out better than you even thought they could, and sometimes you know you sit in the editing and say yeah I feel like we missed we sort of left a little on the table here. Mm-hmm. And that and that happens, you know, all the time. And it's it's a painful process where, you know, when when you realize or you think something wasn't fully realized. But then there's also the side where you sit in the editing room and you think, wow, this this thing came out great. And um, and you know that happens that happens a lot too. So it was really great. And I don't know that there was, you know, I think that again, I think some of these episodes came out really really well. I think that 
the DeLorean was maybe an episode that uh, I thought we maybe left a little on the table on that one mm-hmm. um, in terms of what it could have been. I thought the Colonel came out came out really well. Yeah, uh, I was really happy with that and uh, Peter Lauer who directed. And every time a new director or a different director comes in, there's always a different feel that they give to mm-hmm. the show. So uh, I think when, when I sat in the editing room for for Colonel, even though you know sometimes you sit in there and some scenes aren't working, but you know you can the material's there to shape them. Mm-hmm. And so and that was just so much epic just storytelling that was happening in that episode in terms of. You know, Captain Awesome learning about Chuck, who at that time was, you know, now there's been other characters, but at the time it was the first person outside the immediate circle of Casey and Sarah to find out who it was. And, you know, there was a near hookup with Chuck and Sarah, mm-hmm. and then Chuck and Indy intersect out of his head. So there was a lot of, you know, things in favor for that episode. It yeah. had a lot of big, epic moments and just sort of always knew that thing was going to be big and cool and epic. And then there's, you know, like the door and a smaller story about Sarah's father coming, or I, I actually liked a lot um, the seduction. I liked, you know, and we all, as a, as a show and as a staff, and, you know, we all really loved the Roan Montgomery character. Oh, yeah. And he was someone that we had sort of had in mind for a while. And even, you know, when we were picketing during the strike in between the first and second season, we'd be walking the strike line and talking about Roan Montgomery. And mm-hmm. how we wanted to get back in there and create him. And, you know, and then you have, and I think John Marquette did a wonderful job, but you have a variety of ideas of who you want to play that part and how you want all that to, to turn out. But I, I do think that episode came out nicely. But, you know, it's always a little different, the script to stage. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you have at least a, the privilege that your your writing offices are literally in, on the same, like just down the hall from the editing suites, and you're just a few yeah. minutes walk away or on those golf carts to ah. where they're shooting. I mean, I know there's some sh- shows that shoot in one city and and, yeah. and are written in a completely different city. I, I'd be willing to bet our editors would like to be very far away from us. <laughs> I'm sure they would prefer to be in Vancouver if uh-huh. possible. But, uh, yeah, it's great for us because you can pop in there constantly. And we're always, even before, you know, the final, the edit's even been made, we're always sort of sniffing around the editing room asking the editors how to come out, how to come out. And uh, sometimes they're honest with you, and sometimes <laughs> they lie because they don't want to even because they know if they tell you it's not turning out so good. You know, you always can fix it in the editing room. But even if you know, you, then you'll get particularly neurotic and you'll just keep pestering them all day with other questions. What doesn't work? What do we need to do? Do we need to reshoot anything? Yeah. Well, and I, I love the pickup lines too. I, I know um, when I was there in September, I saw some early cuts, and <laughs> it was funny to hear everybody's voices in 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 the cuts. I, I, what I'm saying is like the editor's voice instead of yeah uh, yeah Chuck yeah. You realize yeah you need a line here, a line there, and you have them say it in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah it happens all the time. Then we'll get the real actors to come in during the looping process and and put their own voices in. But for a while, you have you know whatever uh, assistants standing in the hallway, you drag them in, mm-hmm. and they have to say uh, they have to say the words. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun process. Yeah, well, let's let's move on to American Hero. I mean, it was just uh, okay. aired uh, last week, and and of course you've yeah. you've written one or two since then. Yeah, uh, let's see. American Hero was tw- I probably well, I wrote uh, co- you know again I, with twelve I I co-wrote that with uh, Phil Clemmer and yeah. Max Denby. Um, I actually did all my writing this season was in a co-variety. Oh, all the writing really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I, I, uh, I had a very tough year, so I was, you know, I had another kid, and I was writing uh, two pilots and, and doing the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I co-wrote as much as was, was reasonable. Yeah. So I co-wrote the first one with um, 
with Chris Vidak, and then I co-wrote the 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 sixth one, which was uh, the Nacho Sampler with Scott Rosenbaum, and then co-wrote twelve with uh, Phil Clemmer and Max Danby, and Max uh, is our writer's assistant. Oh, okay. So it was good for him to get his first produced credit where he got on that on that episode, and then he ended up co-writing another episode later for us in the season. Um, and then I co-wrote uh, episode 18, which is the second-to-last episode, uh, with uh, Ali Adler and uh, Phil Klemmer. Great, great. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about the process then of, of co-writing. So when you wrote, mm-hmm. when you co-wrote American Hero with with Phil, um, yeah. Where there's, did you you trade off scenes or did you pass drafts to each other or? or yeah. How? Well, you do you do a little. I mean, it depends on on the situation and the circumstances, how much time you have. I think what, with usually what you end up doing or what we do on the show is, you know, you sort of divvy up the acts. You do mm-hmm. it by acts. Someone will take uh, the first three, someone will take the last three, or someone will take the first and the second and the fifth, and someone will take the second, third, and fourth. However, you want to do it. You divvy up the acts and you both write them, and then you sort of pass your acts back and forth and allow the other person to give notes or give thoughts or do some writing on those acts as mm-hmm. well. Well, it's great that you guys have been working together for so long because uh, yeah. you have the tone and you have, uh, I mean, you would yeah. never know that, that, that you guys were writing different acts. Right, right, right. You got to make sure everyone's nailing the voices. And But by season three, it's, you know, we've all been there since the first season, so it's not like there's any hasn't been too many changes in the writing staff, so it's been a pretty tight group, and we all kind of have the same tone and voice for what we want the show to be. So it makes it easier, that process, where someone's not writing a completely different show, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so originally, episode 12 was supposed to be setting up the finale, which was going to be episode 13. Um, right. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, the number one, um, how that might be different than, than just uh, the run-in-the-middle episode uh, setting yeah. up? the finale and then all of a sudden finding out that NBC was ordering another six and, and did you have to retool? Yeah, it was it was a very big challenge because we had designed the season around, you know, making blowing it out with thirteen. Mm-hmm. Where thirteen was, was sort of right off into the sunset kind of a moment. And um and then when they added new episodes we had sort of we were in the middle of thirteen was just kind of coming off the board. So it had been sort of broken. And then to add six more is tough because you don't want people to feel like, oh, the episode, the season ended at 13. Now what? Mm-hmm. So we ended up paring back some of the things we wanted to do in both 12 and 13. Oh, I see. So it didn't feel like such a climax. So it, so it, it, they still felt like big, important episodes, but it didn't necessarily feel like it was all over. All the stories had been tied up and, and, all, and all the loose ends and all of that sort of stuff. So, so we, we had a, a bigger... Um, version of 12 and 13 that we wanted to do that we had to pare down a little bit so it doesn't didn't feel like the season was over mm-hmm. well it and it was a, it was a very strong episode it was very well received by by the fans a great job oh, on that one good. um were, are there any stories in particular you can tell about that that episode uh, things that might have been a challenge or things that were were fun to to do yeah well it's always you know it's always like it's always the stupid things that people hopefully won't tell when they watch it but it's you know a location that was difficult or you know something that didn't look as as good as we wanted to or we didn't have the pieces the the restaurant scene where um chuck is interrupts shaw's dinner mm-hmm. with uh with sarah and then you've got the guys in the van, and then you've got Morgan, and he makes the crank phone call, and then the police show up, and the ring shows up, and you know all of that kind of chaos. That was the hardest part of that episode to get right. Oh, really? Um, 
Yeah, and it required because there were so many pieces, mm-hmm. and some of the pieces we, they weren't able to get because you know this season we've been shooting the episode in one fewer days than we had last season. Yeah, so it's very difficult. So they just couldn't get all the pieces. So we were really struggling until the very last minute. We had to go in and and shoot some extra stuff, some extra angles and things like that. So you had all the parts to make that sequence work. Wow, well, it's it's really seamless on screen. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you know. That's the that's the dream. The dream is that no one knows how hard you worked on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and actually in particular, I noticed that this episode had a lot of location stuff. It was a lot yeah. less. Uh, I know um, Scott Rosenbaum, when he was on last week, he talked about how Chuck versus the Beard, he he had a, a what do you call it, a bottle episode where he had to do almost mm-hmm. everything on set. Yeah. Um, this seemed like the opposite. Like there was a lot that was outside of the regular sets. Yeah, well, that's, uh, well, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, in 12, because when it was originally conceived, it was supposed to be the second to last episode. I mean, there was a, a version of 12 at one time that took place in Paris. Wow. So, yeah. So, it's it was, you know, definitely a different take on it. But, like, you know, like the restaurant that, that they had dinner in and that we, you know, threw their awesome dough, uh, you know, through the window and, and tackled Shaw and all that. That was uh, on the lot. That was on the Warner Brothers lot. So even though it's not on our set, it was mm-hmm. still on the Warner Brothers lot. Okay. Um, but some of the other locations, like the warehouse and some of the ring stuff, was was off the lot. Um, so yes, that episode uh, 309, the beard was what we call a bottle episode, which is you know once or twice a year, you end up having to do. And the idea is hopefully the audience wouldn't know that this is why it's happening Mm -hmm. but for budget reasons you have to shoot a whole episode just on your sets pretty much yeah and so uh we did the beard this year last year we did um an episode where uh someone drove a car into the buy more oh the christmas one the christmas episode and if you notice that mostly all takes place on our sets yeah Yeah. um because you know, just the nature of you got to eventually sort of catch up money-wise somewhere. I think season one, we did an episode called The Marlin, which where there was a break-in to buy more. Right. So the Marlin and all of that. So you try and create storylines that could take place, you know, in the buy more or on your sets. Well, you know, the uh, funny thing fun. is, th- those are some of my favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's because cause what happens with those episodes are, and the reason that they always come out very good is because they have to be about character. Mm-hmm. And because they can't be, you know, it's not, oh, we found the ring compound and we're infiltrating and, you know, all of that stuff, which is important and necessary to, to moving the story forward. But I think the stuff that always resonates the best for audiences is, is when it comes back and it's just about the people and the characters and you're learning new things about your characters and mm-hmm. things like that. Well, I should say, save money more often. But they, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough. You can't, they're very hard to break, though, those episodes. Yeah. They, they take a lot of time in the writer's room on, on them because it's very tricky how to tell, keep telling a story while you're just in one location or two locations. Yeah. That's going to wrap up the, the Chuck part. Great. But, uh, you're, now, you, your work on Hitched is done, or you still continue to work on that? No, no, we're not, we haven't even shot it yet. So oh, okay. We're just about to start that. We... um. You know, we've written the script, and we're in the casting process now, and we're pretty much all cast. Just one or two very small, one one uh, role that needs to be cast, mm-hmm. uh, and then a couple of real small roles. But but one of the sort of main ensemble we're still casting, and then we start on Monday with what they call the table read, and then we sort of rehearse it all week next week, and then we shoot it the following week. 
Great. And yeah. uh, and so now that is that something that's planned to go into series, or is that just a TV movie, or or how how does that work? It, it, well, the way the way they the way they do uh, pilots is uh, you know they shoot some pilots, and then they basically decide what they're going to air when their pilots have come in, and they decide which of their old shows aren't going to be returning, which ones are going to be returning, how many slots they have, what programs fit well with those. So we won't know if it's going to be on in the fall until like mid-May. Mm-hmm. So it's for CBS is the network. Yeah. Um, and it's a sitcom and they have, it's in the vein of How I Met Your Mother, which is a you know good, successful show for them. So oh, okay. sort of like that. And uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll have to see how it comes out. Yeah. So, and what are your plans for after that? After that, some sleep, <laughs> a lot of sleep, and then uh, you know I'll have to see if Hitch if Hitch gets picked up, then I'll be working on that, uh, possibly returning for Chuck for a four season or uh, something different. Well, well, we don't know. Future is uncertain. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I really, really appreciate you, you taking the time. I know you got a couple of young kids. No, oh, no, it's okay. Thank you, thank you for doing. It. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, if we can get any publicity, we can get for the show right now. It'd be great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and and thank no, you listen, for. I appreciate it. I thank you so much. Yeah, and thanks for giving us uh, a great thing to do on Monday nights. Oh, beautiful, terrific. Yeah. yeah. Keep watching. Okay. So best of luck to you. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. And we're back. This next interview was taped this week with Matt Miller. And it's all about Human Target, which airs on Fox on October 1st. And I think you'd do well to check it out. Enjoy. So this is Gray Jones, and I'm here with Matt Miller, executive producer and showrunner of Human Target on Fox. How you doing, Matt? I'm great, Gray. How are you? Doing great, thanks. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man now. That's okay, yeah, my pleasure. We'll get to season two of Human Target in a bit, but first, um, I'd love to pick it up where we left off in our last interview. If you remember, um, when we spoke last, you were finishing work on the Hitched pilot, and you had no idea if Chuck was going to be renewed. Um, and when when was it that Human Target came calling? Uh, I basically had just finished work on the pilot that I had co-written and co-produced with uh, Chuck's Josh Schwartz, and so we had finished that, handed it in, and was sort of just leaving the lot and got a phone call from Peter Roth, the president of Warner Brothers, to come into his office immediately. And that's when we sort of started talking about Human Target. Mm-hmm. And what were your first impressions? Well, you know, I hadn't seen the show, so I was able to watch, uh, had to go home immediately. They were in a bit of a time crunch because mm-hmm. they needed someone to sort of come on board and, and, and run the show and pitch Fox on the take and all that. And they only had a few days to do it because uh, the upfronts were coming up. So I sort of ran home and had to plow through 12 episodes and then come up with a take. And so it happened very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so did you have to pitch them on, on already on what you were thinking needed to be changed? Or, or did you have a little bit of time to, to deal with it? Well, no, I had to, then I had to figure that out. So I, so I had to come up with on what, what my version or my take would be on the show pitch that to Warner Brothers, pitch it to Fox, and then, you know, get them to like it at least enough that they uh, picked it up for season two. Mm-hmm. And here we are. I already know a little bit about uh, about the changes that you're planning. You mentioned them at Comic-Con, and yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I know my, my first impressions. I, I watched all the shows in a row, and I was really impressed. I, I thought, great yeah. action, very, very strong cast, and the, char- yes. the character interplay is Excellent. I mean, Chai McBride, Mark Valley, Jackie Earl Haley. They're great together. Oh, what what a team. 
Yeah. Um, and and funny. Uh, I mean, it, you throw Chai McBride in a room, it's going to be funny. But yeah. at the same time, I was feeling just a little claustrophobic at times. Not just uh-huh. not just in the interior locations, but just in the fact that it was very male centric. Yes. And so, um, was that also your impression of it? Yeah, it was. It was it was a very male show and, you know, obviously wonderful banter between the guys, but, you know, felt like it needed some female, felt like it needed to open up a little bit, both, you know, in terms of the cast and the storytelling, as well as visually, you know, so we're visiting different countries this year and just giving it a little bit more pop and a little bit more um, wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So d- tell me briefly about the new female characters. Uh, well, there's two. Uh, the first is named uh, Ilsa Pucci, and she is a uh, mid-30s, uh, a widowed wife of a uh, billionaire. And uh, and her husband was killed under mysterious circumstances, so she hires our team in the first episode back to help her out. Mm-hmm. And ends up, by the end of that episode, kind of buying the team and becomes our sort of female Charlie. Yeah, And so, you know, not only does Chance now have to deal with a boss, but he also has, you know, uh, uh, access to her, you know, her wealth, her pocketbook, her private planes, their, her entire access. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I, I can just imagine it's going to be a great mix. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Chai McBride having a female boss. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Gotta be friction. It's great. Yeah. So now you, you've said that you also want to relate it to character more. Uh, can you talk about this a little bit? Yeah, well, just uh, basically uh, to you know flesh out the characters in a way so that some of the episodes aren't just about saving a guest star of the week, but that our characters themselves are a little bit more emotionally involved or connected to the cases that we're working on. Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot, of, a lot of the fans have been a little bit nervous about the, the new female characters coming in because what they really felt was the the strongest part of the first season was that that trio. Yeah. Well, the trio is I think it actually enhances the trio because it gives them more to play and more to sort of complain about and uh and in no way does it uh minimize, but it actually I think it actually helps that initial core trio of those guys. Mhm. And that's not the only thing that's changing. I I know um I keep in touch with Chuck composer Tim Jones and he told me actually a few months back when you had approached him to do the music for Human Target. Can you talk about this this change? Yeah, well, uh, you know, another one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're adding some sort of needle drops to the show this season. Where you know, it was all uh, orchestration last year, and for financial and a variety of other reasons, we've decided to go away from that. And so we're going to have some needle drops, and Tim's comes in, has come in to help us out a bit with the score itself and giving it a little bit more uh, pace and energy. Mm-hmm. Now, Bear McCreary was the, the previous composer. That's correct. Um, I understand that Tim is going to follow a lot of the same directions to make sure there's a consistency, but just take it a little further? Yes. I think that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one question that a lot of fans had was um, these needle drops, the songs. Um, how how do you see Like, I guess people have expressed that they're... They're afraid the songs are going to turn it into the OC or something. Like, how do you see the songs the coming in? Yeah, I, I don't think we <laughs> we would really be turning it in. We're talking about one or two an episode to just yeah. add a little bit more contemporary fun to it. I think that for those people that are concerned or curious about it, I think all we can say is you'll have to wait and see the episodes, and I uh, hope that you like them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I definitely can't wait. And it's October first. Yeah. October 1st is our premiere date. Yeah. yeah, and why why was that changed? Just scheduling? Or? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. Uh, some things that are beyond my control, I'm perfectly happy with it. I guess it gives us another week to get everything ready, but um, I, I'm, I, I actually don't even know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you're moving to Friday nights. You're becoming yeah. more character-driven. You're adding female characters. Obviously, you want to open up this show to a new audience. Um, how, how do you... How do you balance that, making sure that you, I mean, number one, you had a cliffhanger at the end of first season, so you've got to pick up where that story left off, and then you've got a whole new direction um, that you're taking the show. Is that a tough balance? Uh, Yeah, it is. It was very difficult for a while. I think we're hopefully in a rhythm now that seems to be working pretty nicely, but... But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of balls in the air, and uh, you know, way, the idea has to be, and, and, and has always been, to, to create a, a a version of the show that feels in keeping with everything that the fans liked last year, mm-hmm. and uh, and and but also be able to turn on some 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 new audience members. So. It's a it's a de- delicate balancing act, and um, you know I, I think we're delivering a, a fun action packed uh, show that will feel uh, you know f- faithful to last season. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what can you tell me about um, things that you've brought from Chuck? Yeah, I mean I, I actually got to tell you, and I think the action on Chuck was incredible. But the things that they were have been able to achieve on Human Target, I think even surpasses that. Mm-hmm. And they have a great crew up there in Vancouver, not the Chuck's crew is in fabulous as well, but they have a great crew. The producer director is a guy named Steve Boyum, who comes from like a stunt background and just truly understands action in, mm-hmm. in a very deep way. So that part of, of, of Human Target has been has been fun to just sort of play with all of their toys mm-hmm. that they have. Um, but, you know, I did like this sort of uh, buddy comedy kind of bantery version of uh, Chuck. And certainly some of that was already in Human Target and will continue to be. Chuck is a, is a lighter and more comedic show mm-hmm. than Human Target is. Um, but there's still like some lessons to be learned from from both the action, levity, and the relationships. Yeah. Now, I understand that the previous showrunner, John Steinberg, is, is still part of the writing staff. Uh, That's correct. Is is that challenging? Or, or t- talk about that um, change. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, there's a couple. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that John is an incredibly talented, smart, um, and invaluable member of the staff in the sense that he just knows these characters as well as any or better than anyone and uh, and writes the show so well and has such a great head for action and for storytelling. So we've been very, very, very lucky that he stayed on with the show and is, mm-hmm. is helping us and is helping as much as he is. Yeah. And, you know, he's a uh, everything about sort of the changing of the guard in terms of, um, you know, the responsibilities that he has last year versus what he's doing this year. He's, he's you know, just ref- and for me, illuminates um, you know how what a great guy he is and and his character that he's been able to transition so well. Absolutely, absolutely. Now yeah. that that is a little bit of of what happens when you're in a, when you're producing a show. Even as a senior writer on Chuck, you would often lead the room, right? Yes, yes. Giving notes to each other, and that was definitely one of the things I would do on Chuck. Yes, yeah. Um, and so, tell me about the rest of the writers on the show. Just briefly. Uh, the writers on Human Target? Yeah. Well, I, I brought over one writer from Chuck named Zev Barrow, mm-hmm. who's uh, enormously talented. And then we also have on the show is, from last year, there's John. Also returning from last year is Brad Kern. Mm-hmm. And also returning from last year is a, uh, a great writer named Robert Levine. 
Great. And uh, new writers that we have on the show, besides uh, Zev Barrow from Chuck, are Andrea Newman, mm-hmm. uh, a writer named Dan McDermott, who wrote the movie Eagle Eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Uh, David Simpkins, who's written and created a number of shows, including Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lilla and Nora Zuckerman, uh, who came over from Fringe last year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to leave anyone out. A new writer we just hired named Dan Fessman, very yeah. talented guy, worked on NCIS for a long time. And, you know, it's just it's, it's a super talented, uh, great staff. And we're v- very lucky. 13 episodes again? It's 13 episodes, but certainly with the possibility of more if, if you know, if everything goes well. Great. Um, so uh, I know we don't have much time left. Uh, let me jump ahead okay. a little bit to um, sure. this. This is the TV writer podcast uh, um, for Script Magazine. And and uh, so we're there's some questions that writers always have, especially beginning writers and, and people are yeah. trying to break in. Um, yeah. When you're hiring writers, do you prefer reading specs or do you prefer reading original material? You mean like specs of television shows versus yeah. reading original? Yeah. You know, for me, I like reading original material. Mm-hmm. It's just it's easier to sort of uh, understand how a writer writes and their voice and the way that they think um, because they're having to build the whole thing from scratch as opposed to characters that have already been built for them and things like that. So for my personal preference, I like original material. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, for for your own process, I, I know you've been doing this for quite a while now, but um, what – what is your favorite book or a book that you can recommend to somebody who who's trying to break in? A book to read about the business? About the business or about writing, something that you found helpful to you? Well, there's um there's a book, uh, you know, there's just entertaining books like, uh, you know, Adventures in the Screen Trade, William mm-hmm. Goldman. But also, you know, the Joseph Campbell books are in- incredibly useful just in terms of um you know, storytelling and uh, and learning about you know just the art of story, and obviously Robert McKee's books are are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. And what would your advice be to a writer who who is trying to break in? Uh, you know, keep writing. There's no better training than writing, 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 and read as much as you can. You know, it depends on where you live. If you live in Los Angeles, then you know any job that you can get working as a reader, where you're reading script after script after script after script, is going to help you with your own writing. But also, as much as you can possibly write, mm-hmm. write. And, and work on it and shape it and you know writing is rewriting so keep working on it keep figuring it out don't just abandon the idea immediately work on it until you feel like you've written all you can write on that story and then you know turn your attention to something else but but discipline and uh and productivity it's very very easy to uh to you know write once a week or twice a week you really got to do it you know as much as you can five days a week seven days a week great well, I know that I can't wait to see Human Target. I I love actually um, following writers, and as soon as I found out that you were going to Human Target, I I got the season one, and me and my wife watched watched it together and and just loved it. So we can't wait for season two. Oh, great! Oh, great! All right, beautiful. Well, I'm thrilled that you'll watch it, and yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah, I I certainly will. Okay, fabulous. Well, I know you didn't have a lot of time, but I think we covered everything we needed to cover. So um, Beautiful. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks for doing it. I, I appreciate it, and I will talk to you soon. Great. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're back. If you haven't watched Human Target, I really, really urge you to, especially if you're into action. It's a great show, dynamic characters, great comedy, and I really look forward to seeing what he, what Matt Miller's going to bring to it in season two. I, I honestly had the exact same feelings about season one. Great show, 
but really in need of some some stronger female characters. And I think it's going to be a great dynamic. I really look forward to seeing um, what he brings to the table. Um, so set your calendar, Human Target, Friday, October 1st on Fox at 8 p.m. And as we close out, I wanted to tell you about some of the resources that are available. First of all, uh, I want to tell you about the website, tvwriterpodcast.com. I urge you to go visit and see what's there. There's a lot more detail about me, about the podcast, about the interviewees. There's a really important thing, which is a request list. If you would like to request a writer from your favorite TV show, you can request it there. First, check the list that's on the site. Make sure that it's not already on the list. And then... Absolutely post your request and I will do my best to get to your show. There's also an ever-expanding list of helpful writing links. You can send your suggestions to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com. They're categorized in a number of different categories. And uh, I, my hope for that list is that it's, it's going to be a springboard for all of the resources out there that will be helpful to you in your writing. There's also, if you notice, a support page. Uh, we do need support on the podcast. Um, if you are interested in sponsorship, if you have a business or product that relates to writing, we'd love to advertise it here and on the site. Donations are always welcome. There's a handy Amazon mini store with some featured writing books that you may not have thought of that uh, if you click on them and order there, it gives a little kickback to us. And as well, if you want to just browse the entire Amazon store, there's a link that you can do that where any purchase that you make in any category at Amazon.com, there's a little percentage that will come back to help support the podcast. Also, even though you can access the podcast through iTunes, if you have a choice and you're watching it on your computer anyway, it's helpful if you can watch it in a web browser. There's a number of ways you can do that. You can watch it at scriptmag.com. You can watch it at tvwriterpodcast.com. Or you can watch it at uh, tvwriterpodcast.blip.tv. And there's an extra little feature with that one, and that's that if you want to embed it on your own blog, there's code there that you can actually embed it on your, your own blog or website. And we'd, we'd love for you to do that. Anytime anybody watches in a web browser for free, it gives us a little kickback because there's little ads that pop up. So uh, if you do that and you don't have any cash to give, you can support us in that way. Also, if you're on Facebook, you can come visit the TV Writer Podcast Facebook page. There's a little link on the bottom right of the website to help you get there. I urge you to, to do that. There's uh, some discussions that go on there. If you, uh, also requests and, and um, if you want to discuss podcasts, you can do it there or on the website. Also, I do invite you to check out scriptmag.com. They've recently completely overhauled their website, and I think you're going to like it. Also, their digital subscriptions are an incredible value. For only $12.95, you not only get a year's access to the digital magazine, but you actually get over six years of back issues for free. Uh, I, I don't know of any other screen mag screenwriting magazine that offers that. You can even save them as PDF files and read them later when you're offline. Just tremendous, incredible value. So please check that out. The next few weeks are going to be busy. We'll be featuring our countdown to launch promotion, bringing you behind the scenes of many fall TV shows before they launch or return for the new seasons. You can get more details on countdown to launch and what's in the pipe at tvwriterpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle, or you can send an email to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. 
and by Final Draft script writing software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. <laughs> <laughs>